Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, August 16th, 2019. Today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 4, and we're on page 48, the first and second paragraphs. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Matt M., 12 Traditions, Madeline R., and reading the text are Barbara E., Susan H., and Lauren M. The reference numbers for Thursday, August 15th are, for the 7 a.m., 13,283. That's 13283. And for the 10 a.m. are 13,284. That's 13284. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Here are the 12 steps that's adapted for Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could encourage this worth of sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except for to do so and injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and a power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive over ears and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Okay, I will now ask Madeline R. to read the 12 traditions of OA. Thank you, Madeline R., recovering in Pennsylvania. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, our group purpose, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, 
Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ our special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much. Madeline, okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 48, the first paragraph that starts with the reader may still ask and reading through two paragraphs ending at assumption as a starting point. Barbara E. to begin reading. Good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for allowing me this privilege. It is Barbara E. in New Jersey. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories. For example, about electricity, everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it is impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Confirmation bias is a cognitive way of confirming my existing beliefs. For example, my husband, if I think left-handed people like him are more creative than right-handed people, I seek out examples who confirm my belief. It means I'm not really open to other differing opinions. 
and bias especially tends to form in terms of our belief in religion. And of course, for me, there was no tangible proof of the existence of God. And I certainly had found ample proof of the many atrocities in the world that had been perpetrated in the name of religion. And that only confirms my bias against religion. But over two decades in OA, I have ample proof and experience of my formless God doing for me what I could never do alone. 22 years ago, my neighbor had just started attending a new diet program and suggested I go with her. I was desperate and convinced my compulsive overeating would inevitably kill me. And so I said yes. That was my higher power working for me when I didn't yet recognize it as such. She took me to my first OA meeting that very night, and I was puzzled. How could people claim that having put down the food and working the steps, they'd been transformed? What proof did they have? I'd seen happy people in other weight loss programs before, and they didn't claim it was God. They said it was mindful eating, making better food choices, and eating in moderation. I knew from all my past experimentation that these did not work for a compulsive overeater like me. But this OA group talked of changing their attitudes and to be happily free of the desire to overeat, to believe they could be spiritually transformed. And so I stayed. And that was my free-floating God in action. Yes, I lost the 130 pounds, but I gained so much more. I still don't understand the concept of atoms or why gravity keeps the earth from plummeting from the sky, but I accept them as immutable, well-established facts. I feel the same way about my belief in my formless, loving God, who's there for me and accepts me as I am, but loves me too much to let me stay that way because it believes I still have lessons to be learned. So today I still ask my higher power to guide me, guide me, and direct me. My God doesn't make junk. We are not junk. We are worth his love. And I must embrace it, remain abstinent, and work all the 12 steps every day. And especially give service. For me, Time. that is the only remedy I have. Perfect. Thank you so much, iPad. Thank you, Barbara E., for getting us started. And we're on the first two paragraphs on page 48. If you could give me your first name and last initial, and we're looking for people who have not shared in the last couple of days. Monica Sally P. A. Nancy Monica, P. Sally, Nancy, T or P? Nancy, P or T? Okay, who else? It was P as in Paul. Okay. Anyone else want to share? Vasa O. Vasa O. 
Okay, let's go with these four and then we'll get some more. Monica T, Sally A, Nancy P, and Vasa O. Um, Monica, go ahead, please. Good morning. Good morning. This is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater presently in Vermont. So here we are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We missing some type of knowledge. We without knowledge. Having issues here with this higher power, this God thing. And so the big book here is trying to get us to think differently, to look at things a little bit differently. So they're saying here the practical individual of today is a stickler, and I looked that up, unyielding in my demands for facts and results. You know, I want to be able to see this higher power. I want to be able to feel this higher power. I want to be able to understand this higher power. I want to have all my ducks lined up in a row, but that just isn't happening. And also, you know, what were my facts and results? What brought me here into these rooms? Nevertheless, you know, we're easily accepting all kinds of theories today. And isn't that really true today? How quickly we will just try something new or we'll toss something and try something else new. And we don't think anything about it. I don't have to understand it. And I like this idea of electricity here. I don't understand how electricity works. I cannot see electricity. But I don't have a doubt. I have a faith. I have a belief that when I go flip that switch, the light's coming on. I don't argue about it. I don't have to figure it out. And even even more so today, what about computers? I don't know anything about how a computer runs. And I don't care. <laughs> it works. And that's, it's been proven to me it works. And I have a lot of fun with it. So the big book's trying to say, okay, well, why don't you use these t- same time same type of thinking here with the God idea. You know, what do you have to lose? You know, look at it as another, as an experiment type of thing if you need. What do you have to lose? And um, I sure am glad that I tried. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Okay, Sally A, you're up. Thank you, Katie, and thank you so much for your Uh, for your gift to all of us. So I've read this a lot of times, and um, one thing I've learned about me in uh, the last year of my life is to get out of my head, to get out of my intellect. It's not going to change anything. And what I see here when I read these words, the reader may still ask, why? Why should I believe in a power greater than me? You know, we've heard from one of our members, a broken brain cannot fix a broken brain. And that is very true for me. But another thing that I've heard that has been very meaningful for me is the bottom of page 14. I have truly given this a lot of thought. For if an alcoholic or someone like me who is an emotional eater I eat because of the buildup of my emotions. I've spent years fixated and focused on the actual eating aspect of my illness. Instead of fixating myself on the emotional buildup that leads me to the overeating. 
if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. And that has been so true for me. I have had to stop looking at the food. Not that I'm not keeping my food organized because I am a disorganized eater. But once I put the food down, I had to really take a hard look at what has to change because something had to change because this thing wasn't working for me. And not only is this the last house on the block, but it's the tent in the backyard of the last house on the block for me. And so here I am again, back in these rooms, back in this book, and I'm focusing on enlarging and perfecting my relationship with my higher power because only he is going to fix me. Only God can do for me what I cannot do for me. And so therein lies the, the answer to my why. That's why I should believe. That's why I should be open-minded to making some changes. And I have made huge changes. Thanks for letting me share. Could you tell us the page? Thank you. Sure. Um, Thank you, Sally, for your share. And we're on page 48, the first and second paragraph. Okay, uh, Nancy P., you're up. Hi, thanks for letting me share. So I love the stickler um, because to me that's just another word for um, being data-driven and facts and results oriented. And, um, you know, for an agnostic, I'm very agnostic. So for an agnostic like me, I like data. I like facts. I like sort of things that I can touch and feel. Um, You know, I I work with scientists and um, my boss has a huge lab and, you know, sometimes he'd have a, you know, a postdoc or a graduate student that'd be whining about something. And he, his comment was always the same, show me the data. So for me, I liked that. I remember that as like, okay, show me the data. What's going on here? And, you know, I'd, I'd have to, you know, as I got deeper into the steps or, you know, sort of not deeper into the steps, but prior to working the steps, I, I do a, 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 you know, look at my life being in a way and, and eating compulsively all the time, you know, constant relapse. Um, is this working for me? You know, how's it working for me? How's it, how's it going? You know, no, it's not. And if it, and, you know, I get to this part of the book and it, and, you know, if I say, how's it working for me? If it isn't, I have to get rid of it. And I, not only do I have to get rid of it, it says, you know, had to be thinking has to be abandoned, but for it to work for me, Nancy P, I have to get rid of it eagerly and joyfully. And, um, you know, I have to say that, you know, as I looked around, as I, as, as I expanded my spiritual life, um, you know, I had to look at the preponderance of evidence. You know, I'm coming up on two years of not hurting myself with food, not using food as a solution and not having it be a problem in my life. It just doesn't exist for me in, in that way anymore. And, um, you know, before I, before I had my spiritual awakening, um, you know, I had this patter in my head, you know, like a street caller, you know, I'm over here. If you want to visit, I'm not doing anything. I'm just by myself, not hurting anyone over here. And that never stopped. And what I found, if I 
you know, before I enlarged my spiritual life, if I wasn't eating compulsively or if I wasn't eating at the moment, I would sit there all day long and I'd say, I'm so grateful that I'm not eating. Look how I'm not eating. I'm so glad that I got from breakfast to lunch and I didn't eat. It's so awesome. And that never stopped. And now that I've gotten rid of all my, I shouldn't say gotten rid of them, but they're, I'm beating them back every day with a whip and a chair. Um, you know, now there's blessed silence. I do not think about food anymore. And I think about how I can help others. And I think about um, how am I, you know, I'm, if there's any stress in my life, it's, am I doing enough? Have I made my phone calls? Have I, have I done the things that are going to make me stay in this state of mind? Um, because it's never, you know, I always wanted it to be one and done. You know, I've been through the big book step study process before, and I spent three years writing a fourth step, and it didn't do one bit of good. And um, so today I'm very aware of all the things that I have to do, four through nine, in the form of 10, 11, and 12 every day. And um, Time, please. Thank you. And I've never... I've had, I have blessed quiet in my brain now. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Vasa O, you're up, and then we'll invite more. Thank you. Good morning, Katie, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recover, compulsive, overeater calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And this is a good paragraph. So, um, before I came to OA, I was more like an atheist or agnostic. I grew up in a communist country. We, we were thought there was no God. Somehow, through my life, I, that's how I felt. I needed to see, to feel, to touch, to believe in God. I was dependent on myself, or dependent on other people to help me with the food addiction. And it's not like I didn't try. I tried it over and over many, many, many times, but I could never keep it down. And um, my sponsor suggested for me, or she told me, I needed to find a power greater than myself to help me. Otherwise, I was going to be doomed. And, and, and I was just so ready and I was so willing. I had the gift of desperation to humble myself and to get on my knees and to surrender and just to say, God, I can't do this by myself any longer. Please help me and forgive me for all the sins I committed. I did what I was, what I was told to do, and um, that's what I did the first meeting. I, I came home, and I surrendered. I know we're not on step three, but that was the beginning of my new life, you know, when I surrendered. And I did have that electricity connection. I felt like the power went from my head to my heart. And I felt like a new person, new creature. And, um, and that was the beginning of my abstinence. I didn't see it as a gift. I saw it as a curse because I wanted to eat the next morning. And I did tell my sponsor the spiritual experience I had that night. And she said, that's God. That's the spirit of God. And hold on it. And I was so afraid I was going to lose it. She said, don't worry. God will never leave us. Our higher power is never going to leave us. It's us that we pull away from God. And uh, that was the beginning of my abstinence. And it's by the grace of God. I don't take any credit. And it was the beginning. And then God led me in, in 
deeper into the steps as I was going along. And she just said, follow the steps, follow the directions, the way they laid in the big book. And that's the answer. I didn't know anything about the allergy. I didn't know about the mental obsession. So I started doing whatever I did was not working. So I keep on doing 33 years by the grace of God. And my life is better in every area, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So they just kept, told me at the beginning, come to six meetings. If you don't like it, you can Time, leave. Please. I'll wrap it up. Nobody will keep you here, and nobody's going to make you stay here. You know, it's your free choice. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, so if you've just joined us, we're on page 48, the first and second paragraphs. The first paragraph starting with the reader may still ask. So who would like to share? Julie R. Craig S. Julie R. Craig F. Larry. Lauren A. Lauren A. Lola N. It's a Nancy. I'm sorry, what was your first name? Lola. Lola N. Okay. O-R-A-D, Los Angeles. I'm sorry, what was your first name? O-R-A-D. Okay. Okay, well, that's a good group. So we have Julie R., Craig F., Larry K., Lauren A., Lola N., and O-R-A-D. Go ahead, please, Julie R. Hi, thank you, Katie. Julie R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, I have a black and white thinking. Um, I have to see something to believe it. My profession is that way. But, you know, I don't have to do that now when it comes to my creator. I'm, uh, for the last days, I have been in the redwood surrounded by 2,500-year-old trees that are 300 feet up high up into the sky. And it's like I don't have to understand how they're here, know that it's a gift from my God. And, you know, it, I just keep on growing and developing. And I think that's the key for me. I can't just have one belief and keep it there. As we continue this work with the steps and discovering and rediscovering and discarding, I have a new look on what my higher power is, what my God is. And I am grateful for that because being stagnant and not growing is what got me in relapse. You guys haven't heard me talk for a while because it's been, um, I've been at a relapse now for a few months, but I did not grow. I just just sat there and did the same old thing, and um, food was a spot, as someone who um, said this on the line. So, you know, I just... Every day I wake up and ask God to direct my thinking, not just as something was out of the book, the one-liner, but to really direct my thoughts and my actions. And I am so glad that I can um, have a God that is constantly shifting and growing. So that allows me to shift and to grow. So as I sit here amongst these wonderful, powerful trees, that is how I can see where my life is going. It's all driven by a power. So, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Julie. Okay, Craig F., you're up, followed by Larry K. Thank you. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, 
these this paragraph these two paragraphs um, attempt to direct to address a question uh, it says why sh why should we believe why should why he should believe in a power greater than himself and it goes on to say because we don't understand the universe basically and you know I, I went through a long time in my life saying well yet we we just simply don't understand it yet that sooner or later we'll figure it out and then where will you be with that you know um i don't understand uh i have a uh, uh an abstract uh understanding of how my computer works i you know i i can pro used to be able to program in machine language years and years ago and 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 I couldn't, but I couldn't go build a computer. You know, I, I'm I'm not capable of making microchips. That's quite a technology, but um, that doesn't mean that it's magic. You know, that when I turn it on, that it's beyond <clears throat> comprehension. There are people that know how to do that. I've met them. <laughs> you know, there are people that are, that understand down to the finite element how that computer works. Um, so. Uh, you know, my 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 intellectual pride said that uh, you know that I that just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's something beyond uh, physical reality, physical science. But you know, why should I believe? Uh, there's another way to look at that question, and the why should I believe is that uh believe that not believing got me into so much trouble and not understanding that that to that there was a power greater than myself but by my ego thinking that i was the the power that somehow through uh intellect and will that i could manage in this life got me uh, bankrupt morally physically uh, spiritually, financially, and and brought me to my knees, and so um, you know we we're make we're making an argument here to believe, but we have to I have to remember the why I need to believe, and the why I need to believe is that that no matter what happens, that I'm not an I'm not a sufficient enough power to have created this universe i'm not a sufficient enough power to control this universe or to explain this universe and so therefore i have to believe that there's a power greater than myself uh, at work and then find and submit myself to that power and with that i'll pass thank you thank you so much um craig larry k you're up followed by lauren a Hey, Katie. Good morning. Thanks for your service, Katie. Appreciate Larry K. <clears throat> Recovered from Chicago. Um, the uh, I, I did I did not think and change my relationship to God first in steps one and two, and then and then as a result of that, crossed the bridge to freedom. That's not my experience. I mean, I was I was barely open to the improbability of this higher power. 
you know, enough to work these steps. I had the tiniest, tiniest glimmer of hope and possibility. It was, it was almost imperceptible. I was, I was pretty sure there, there wasn't the possibility. And in the midst of that improbability, you know, improbability, I began to complete this work. And for me, the belief came. It, it was like a thief in the night, you know, a miracle. I look at it at a, as a miracle. A miracle is, is a surprising uh, welcome event that is, it's, it's not explainable by scientific laws. So thus, it's, a, it's the work of a divine power. And prior to program, I really dedicated my life to the proposition that I alone could solve all my problems. But we agnostics is not saying that, you, you know, that we have to take up arms and, and join the crusades, you know. In fact, we agnostics doesn't it could care less about, you know, your religious beliefs one way or the other. It's about spirituality and nothing more. And so if I continued to harbor my prejudice against spiritual concepts, I found something critical. And that was I could not operationalize this solution. In other words, no matter how much I wanted it, no matter how much I needed it, I could not get across the bridge to true freedom if I didn't have that tiniest glimmer of openness to, a, to an agent of change, a power that is not me. And William James, who wrote that, the Varieties of Religious Experience, you know, the Bill wrote that, uh, read that book, he, he talked about pragmatism. He said that pragmatism, you know, practical application that allows one to assume belief in a higher power. And you know how they prove the existence? By what the belief brings about in one's life. That's how I know. It's what happened in my life. I don't have any hocus pocus. My life's changed. I can't deny how recovery through acceptance of spiritual principles has dramatically changed my life. There is my belief. Nothing more than that. So that's what I needed. I'm grateful for that change to be open so that I'm no longer fighting it. Fight, 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 fight on. No more fight here. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Okay, um, Lauren A, you're up, followed by Lola M. Thank you. This is Lauren A, recovered in Minnesota. I, I love this chapter. Um, I I started out in AA, and I started out, I wasn't really atheist, but I was pretty agnostic. But it's kind of funny. Just before I came to AA, for some reason, I started reading the Bible. I had never done that. Where did that come from? I'm thinking from God. And then as I, as I, figured out what was going on in AA over the years, or actually it wasn't years before I first came to OA, it was months, but I saw that the proof of God to me is that AA works and nothing ever has before that. You know, thousands of years, alcoholism um, was a problem for people, but there was no solution. And now there is a solution and it's found in the big book. And that's my proof that there's a God. But it took me a long time to apply it to OA. I started off in, in OA not long after I started in AA, and I, I could not get abstinent. I don't know why. Um, I guess because I wasn't giving it up. Um, I, had a, I had sponsors over the years. I had intermittent abstinence over the years, but I didn't really give it up. I can remember um, telling my husband, I, you know, I really feel like eating. And he'd say, well, call your sponsor. Well, you know what? I didn't want to call my sponsor. I wanted to eat. So that's what I did. And now I've had a few times 
since I've been recovered in a vision for you, I've had a few times where I really felt like eating. And a miracle for me is that I decided to call my sponsor and do something about it. Wednesday night, I had a terrible night and I really wanted to eat. So Thursday morning, I wrote my sponsor an email and I, and I said, I gave myself an assignment and my assignment was Write down everything you can think of that would happen to you if you got back into the food. And it was a relatively long list, and it wasn't pretty. Um, and so I'm glad I was able to do that. That is a miracle for me. And and I listened to A Vision for You more than 300 days out of the year. And what what I keep learning is that I have to enlarge my spiritual life. I can't just sit on, you know, rest on my laurels. I have to keep doing this because I'll go back. I know I will. And and that scares me, and I'm glad it does. You know, I don't like the idea of fear, but I I really like where I am. I like not uh, you know not buying new sizes all the time, getting into sizes I haven't been into in years, and and it's all it's all a gift from God. If if I could have done it myself, well, duh, I would have 20, 30, 40 years ago, but I couldn't, and I don't know why it took me so long to realize that I couldn't do it myself, but. That's um, that's my story. I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren A. And Lola N., you're up, followed by Ulrey B. Hi, this is Lola N., compulsive eater in New York. And thank you for having this meeting today. It's, it's so wonderful. And I was struck when the paragraph was read, the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. And what came to my mind was that is the only thing that has helped me to get to and maintain my current healthy weight. And I had tried for decades through numerous ways. And I came in uh, as an agnostic. Uh, I was lucky that I got the gift of desperation. I had lost some weight in a commercial weight loss program. I gained about a third of it back and I was absolutely desperate. Um, and I heard someone speak who soon became my sponsor. And through her, I think I got good orderly direction. I also got in seeing her, there was something about her. She had a solution. She was at a healthy weight. She was adamant about the big book, doing service, working the steps. And I was desperate enough, uh, to do what she said, um, even though it included the coming abstinent as I was going on a vacation, which I didn't want to do. Um, but a power has done for me what I can't do for myself. And I feel very lucky, um, having been abstinent for a little over six years now, that the pants I bought in summer six years ago still fit exactly the way they did six years ago. And I, for the first time in my life, for six or seven years, I can touch my collarbone and feel it. I could never do that before. And so I actually feel that I have physical proof that there is a God because I had tried so hard with all my might, you know, for so many years, including, you know, touching in briefly um, in OA. And it's really humbled me and, and excited me that there is a solution, you know, there is a power that can do for me what I can't do for myself. And it's helping me just continue to turn more of my life over because 
Whereas I used to be their agnostic and said, oh, God is just to explain the things we don't understand yet. I don't understand how God works, but I know that it does. And I also see others in the work, in the room who are doing the, the steps in using the big book and it really works for them. Um, so, you know, just so happy to have been, you know, given this belief over time in ways that I could accept it. I pass. Thank you. Lola, Ulrey B, you're up. Yes, this is Ulrey in Los Angeles. Can I be heard? Yes. You know, this um, this reading reminds me of where I was just over three, three years ago. Um, I was in relapse. I was 485 pounds. And I had reached a level of hopelessness in my life um, that I've never experienced before. And this was after years of, you know, being in OA. And I didn't want any part of this way of life. I did not want to have to come back to OA. Just over three years ago, I was uh, I was out of treatment. And I was considering going back to treatment. I knew that wasn't the answer, and I really felt like I was backed into a corner. And, you know, it's like my my experience in the way up until that point, um, you know, I was just in complete disbelief that it would work, and I didn't know what to do. But I needed something. I know I needed help. And the only idea at that time was, I mean, you know, it just the thought came in, like, OA is the only place that I knew of that was dealing with the issue that I had. And my experience in OA up until that point had taught me that there were, you know, there are a lot of people that I loved and respected there that had found a way out. And that's what motivated me to come back. And, um, you know, my mind still reaches for, and, and, you know, my mind still reaches for facts and proof that God exists. And what grounds me and what keeps me in the process today is I just look at how my life has changed in, in just over three three years and some change, you know. Like, I can't deny the progress that's been made um, as a result of being engaged in this process. I can't deny the countless miracles that have happened, the miracles of change that have happened, um, you know, as you know, after I reengaged with this way of life. And even when I face moments of doubt today, I just look to my experience and I look and I'm surrounded by people who experience those same changes, those same miracles, and it just reinforces my faith and that's what just keeps me going it keeps me going it keeps me you know continuing in this work because something is working in my life i may not be able to explain it with with my logic but something is working and i'm so grateful for that i'm so grateful and um thank you for allowing me to time please okay thank you 
Thank you, everyone. And so we still have time for four more shares. Who would like to share on the first and second paragraph on page 48? This is Raquel calling from Israel. Hi, Kathy. Raquel. Vanessa. Raquel A. Vanessa. Cindy and Jason. Okay, I think, so I have Raquel, I believe it was Vanessa, Cindy, and Jason Kay. Go ahead, please, Raquel. Yes, am I still unmuted? Can you hear me? Yes, and I realize yes. we only have, well, we have 11 minutes. Okay, go ahead, please, Raquel. Thank you so much for, for your service and for this wonderful meeting. Um, uh, I... I will set my timer too, although it means nothing to me. Please remind me. So, thank God bless American pragmatism. It is so incredible. You know, we're reading this now when already in 1951, uh, AA received the Lasker Award, which is the highest award that the American Medical Association can give. In 1951, it was declared in that in that um, uh, paper, in that Lasker Award, that this may be the biggest breakthrough that ever happened in the 20th century. But to go a little bit back, you know, we, we talked here about, uh, about um, uh, the religious experience, varieties of religious experience, and I found, and I only have it so far in Hebrew, but there's some hints about where to find it, that, that William James actually wrote and another article yet before he came uh, to write the religious experience, the writings of, and this was when he was younger, something like in 1861, 69, he had very difficult uh, um, medical problems. One of them was as an in intellectual as he was, and so intelligent and into writing and reading, he developed um, double vision and he couldn't read, and he couldn't write, and he was very distressed. He was very depressed, and he wrote this paper wanting to believe, wanting to believe. And the, the only hint I have for English is in, it can be found in wordpress.com. So in it, he writes the conditions under which a person comes to wanting to believe so badly that he... He, he can dismiss any need for proof because, the, like we say in the big book, that the only two choices he has to choose from is either to go to the bitter end or pick up these spiritual tools that he doesn't even understand. So I thought of this little story about a man who went to the bank, but he didn't want to sign the back of the check. He had a nice check, but he didn't want to sign. He said, I'm not signing. My dad explained to me that it only brings trouble, and don't, and all the clerks tried to explain to him, you know, uh, it, this is the procedure. Here are bigger checks, and people signed. They finally took him to the director, and there he sat, and he said, I'm not signing anything, but here, this is a check, it's my name. Finally, the director had it with him, and he pulled out the baseball bat from under the table, and he said, are you going to sign this or not? He said, Okay. And he signed it. When he came out, all the clerks surrounded him and said, well, what did he say to you that we didn't? He said, 
you said everything, but he explained it to me. So the disease and the situation which is impossible explains to us. It says in the book, in the 12 and 12, that John Barleycorn himself had become our best advocate. But he said, Time, the yes, I wrap up. The conditions in order to believe, in spite of everything that is happening around and the lack of logic of it, that go by that feeling is that it has to be forced upon you. You have no choice. So uh, uh, God is putting me through uh, a lot of no choice right now, and I hope eventually it's going to happen to me like it is with a lot of you. Wonderful recoveries to everybody. Thanks for being there. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, Vanessa, you're up, followed by Cindy. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vanessa. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, when I came into program, I was not agnostic. I was atheist, and I thought agnosticism was for wimps who were afraid to admit that there really wasn't a God. Um, I rejected my Catholic faith when I went off to college and started studying religion and, um, you know, decided there was no God. And um, I studied science, uh, you know, medicine, and I needed that visual proof. Um, And, you know, I thought I was the be all and the end all and um, tried to conduct my life just basically running on self-will for most of my adult life. Um, You know, a few years before hitting my bottom, you know, um, you know, using food and alcohol as, you know, um, my solution, I started feeling that there was something missing in my life. There was a hole in my soul, you know, that could not be filled by any amount of, you know, external things. And, you know, I wish that I had um, a spirituality. I knew there was something missing and there was something I needed, but it didn't, was not going to walk into a church or go the religious route. Uh, I would mock um, people who had a deep faith. Um, because I had that, didn't have that visual proof. And, you know, once I was at my bottom on my knees, you know, could not stop binging and then just shoving the food in my face, you know, I was beaten into that state of um, desperation that I was, you know, willing to ask for help. Um, And, you know, thank God I found the program. Um, I actually came in through other couple of other 12 steps fellowships before making my way into OA and it was not the chapter and all of the reasoning in this chapter we agnostics that convinced me that there was a God I had a spiritual experience you know that suddenly once I started doing this work within days of getting into the steps suddenly my obsession over food and alcohol was removed you know I suddenly found myself not thinking about, about binging or eating anything off of my food plan. And that was an, an absolute miracle. And that is what convinced me that there was something to this higher power thing. And it, it made me want to stay and to continue on. Now, um, credits don't transfer from, you know, AA to my food problem. And, you know, although I did complete the steps through another program, Um, you know, I rested on my laurels and, um, I failed to enlarge my spiritual life. And, um, I'm just so glad to have, um, access to this amazing meeting and to hear, 
the voices of recovery and, and so many people with deep, effective spiritual experiences. Um, that's very attractive to me. And um, I'm just grateful to be willing to continue um, showing up at this meeting Hi, and to be a part of it. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Vanessa. Okay, Cindy and Jason, if you could each take two minutes, we can have you both share. Go ahead, Cindy. Hello, everybody. This is Cindy Kay from Missouri. It's good to talk with you guys. So it was 2016. I was pissed off. I was overweight. I was miserable. And I sat in the back of my first OA meeting, and I'm thinking, oh, so this is where I've come to now, sitting in the back with a bunch of religious nuts. <laughs> and, um, but I didn't have any choice. I, nothing was working. I was about ready to have knee surgery. And um, someone said, why don't you go? I said, okay. So I jumped in the water. Fast forward today, I actually talked to God. And um, all I can say is when you got nothing else, you do what you got to do. And there's a lot of things my sponsor said to me at first, and I thought, they're crazy. I'm not going to do all this. Because basically I'm lazy and I would just sit on the couch and eat. But what I've come down to is just read the book. Do what your sponsor says. Go to the meetings, even though you think it's stupid and you don't know about this God stuff. And things will happen. I don't know why. I don't know how. I, I don't understand it, but it works. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Cindy. Jason, you're up, and you have two minutes. Thank you. Good morning. This is Jason Kay, Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. Um, and I look at this chapter, and I see Bill Wilson um, asking us to be reasonable, ask, telling us, you know, you're sensitive, you're obstinate, you're closed-minded. He's begging us, pleading uh, to us to have an open mind. And this is crazy because we're compulsive eaters. We're We're dying. You know, it's as if we're drowning, we're treading water, we're sinking, and someone lifts out a hand and you say, I'm not so sure I believe in lifeguards. And we don't accept the help. And for me, that's how I was, and I didn't even realize it. You could have told me, hey, you know, I, I could have told you, hey, I'm an open-minded guy. But I had this idea of a Santa Claus God. God, give this to me. Do this for me. I wanted to make God my errand boy. And one of the best things my sponsor said to me was, God doesn't work like that. And this chapter is full of promises. Bill saying it's not so hard. It's it's it, the great news is that as soon as we lay aside this prejudice, my biggest problem with God is me. I say God save me from me. Re remove my defects from character, uh, defects of character, because I'm blocked from God by the selfishness, by the prejudice, by the unreasonableness, by my fixed ideas. And when I get beaten down and the food just wears at me on a day-to-day -day basis and this uh, hole in my soul and this pain in the pit of my stomach, uh, you know, and this inability to stop eating compulsively finally wears me down. I can become open-minded and I can turn away from that old life that I can step towards this new life. And, and, and the first step is part of that preparation, understanding the depth of that. The second step is part of that opening, that turning to a new life, a new way of being setting ourselves aside. 
you know. And so now today, instead of saying, God, do this for me, God, do that for me, God, I work for you. Can I stay close to you and perform your work well? How can I best serve thee? Thy will be done. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jason. Perfect timing. Okay, and thank you to everyone who has shared today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, August 16th, 2019, 7 a.m., is 13286. That's 13,286. And we'll, we, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Susan H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestible. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to give service. This is Susan H. in Ohio. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you could do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.